The message for this afternoon is called, Are You Serious? And this is a message that I'm really excited about. And this is specifically for the young people. You know, the Lord put a burden on my heart to share this with you. And I'm looking forward to what he's going to do over this next hour. It was a few weeks ago, and we were driving home from some friend's house Sabbath afternoon. Actually, it was probably about 9 o'clock in the evening by this time. And we were just driving along our little road, and it was pitch black, and... Just up ahead of us, we saw this tree that was on fire, and we were kind of startled by it. And then we noticed that surrounding us was electric cable, and we didn't know if that cable was on, um, was actually electrified. And I had just finished reading a book called Dialects, and this book talked about a girl who had been killed when she was rescuing someone, and she had been electrocuted. And I remember. That evening, as we were there in the car, we were surrounded by electric cable and with the tree and fire ahead of us. I didn't know what, you know, was the next thing that was going to happen. I remember having the thought, you know, what if this is your last moment? What if this all blows up and you disappear? Because we had seen, we had been at some friend's house and um, something electrical had happened. I don't remember exactly what, but it was a huge explosion. And I just remember thinking, you know, am I ready if something were to happen right now? So what does that have to do with this message? Well, this message is called, Are You Serious? And it is really about our relationship with the Lord and whether we are serious about that relationship with Him. You know, what are some reasons that we need to be serious? Well, one of them, which I just mentioned, was because of the shortness of this life. You know, we could have been... Now, just to make sure you don't get worried about what happened to us, we were fine, we managed to drive out of there, and everything was okay. But what if we hadn't been fine? What if that had blown up and we had all been killed right there and then? You know, we don't know when life is going to end, and we don't know how it's going to end. You know, we, we aren't promised. We're promised today, but we're not necessarily promised tomorrow. We don't know. Something could happen tomorrow. Are we ready if that were to happen? You know, the encouraging thing for me is as I looked back on that evening and thinking, okay, if I had been killed there, would I have been ready? And I'm thankful to say that I had just been praying in the car, and I knew that if I had been killed, I would have been ready. And that hasn't always been the case, and I was thankful that it was at that time. You know, James 4, verses 14 through 15 says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or not that. You know, we don't know what the future holds. We don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. But the Lord does, and he will help us as we seek to become serious about him, to be prepared for whatever may happen tomorrow. You know, Jesus is coming soon. That is another reason we must be serious about our relationship with him. We don't want to miss out on all of heaven, do we? We don't want to skip the ceaseless ages of being there. You know, are we ready for heaven? Are we preparing? Are we serious about being there? Or is it just one of those ideas in our minds that, yeah, I want to go to heaven, but, you know, it's kind of not something I'm thinking about right now. If Jesus were to come today, what would we do? Would we be ready? You know, our relationship with the Lord is very important, and we need to be serious about it because we don't know when Jesus may come. Now, You may be thinking, well, I know certain things are supposed to happen before Jesus comes, and when those things happen, I'll just get ready then. You know, I had that thought when I was younger. I thought, you know, when things happen, I'll just decide to get ready then. But it doesn't work that way. We don't know what's going to happen and when. It's very easy to get caught up where we are and to not think about heaven and to live without realizing that heaven is coming soon. 
Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, if our hearts, if our thoughts are with heaven and we are thinking about heaven, that will really help us to be prepared and to motivate us to have a serious relationship with the Lord. We must not make things here our priorities. We must make him our priority. Okay, another reason why we need to be serious right now. One of those reasons is because our youthhood is the best time. You know, in our youthhood, we are... Our daily lives determine our destiny. So what we are choosing right now will affect the rest of our lives. And if we are making choices that will, something we will appreciate when we get to adulthood, then we will be so thankful for that. You know, if we make the choice to be serious about the Lord now, we will be so thankful in the long run. We will never regret that decision. You know, you can ask your parents if they wish they'd done things different when they were younger, and I'm sure they will tell you they have. You know, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 1 says, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. You know, it's a privilege that we are called to remember him. We can speak to him at any time. We can ask him for help when we need it. We're able to talk to him. We're to receive power and strength from him. And yet we don't appreciate that. We, you know, we let other things get in the way of that. And we don't recognize the privilege we have. Okay, another reason why we need to be serious. Our influence impacts other people. We don't know how far-reaching that influence is. I read a quote very recently, and I think it's a very powerful quote. In the judgment, the lost may point to you and say, if it had not been for his influence, I would not have stumbled and made a mock of religion. He had light. He knew the way to heaven. I was ignorant and went blindfolded on my way to destruction. You know, we don't know who we are influencing. We have no clue of some of the people that may be watching us. But is that influence drawing them to Jesus, or is that influence actually leading them the wrong way and an influence that we will have to account for one day? We must be accountable because we will be held responsible. You know, we cannot live without having an influence on someone. You know, what influence are we having on others? Just think about it for a little while. Think about the people you know. And what influence are you having on them? You know, it's easy to say little things here and there that we really don't mean, and then we think, oh, I shouldn't have said that, and I didn't mean to say that. But, you know, that, that influence, it's like dropping a pebble in a lake, and you see the ripples, and they kind of go out along the lake. We don't know what one little word or one little act will do. It can be much more far-reaching than we would ever expect. You know, will others stumble because of the influence that we are giving? If they will, then we need to change. We can't just go on and pretend it's not happening. It's so easy to live carelessly and to not really think about where we are going and to not think about the fact that we need a serious relationship with the Lord. But one day we're going to have to meet that in the judgment and we're going to have to account for all the wasted time that we have spent. You know, I don't want to get to the end of my life and regret the choices I have made. So we need to choose to be serious about the Lord now. Hebrews 4.7 says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So if you hear him calling for you to be serious, 
then don't harden your heart. And, you know, there's different levels of being serious. Some of us may say, well, I already am serious about the Lord. I already am trying to do what I know is right. But I don't think there's any of us out there that can, you know, we're as serious as we can be. You know, I know I'm not as serious as I can possibly be. Revelation 3, 14 through 15 and 19 through 21 is some really good verses that apply to this. And they've become some of my favorites in the last few weeks. If you'd like to turn there with me, that's Revelation 3, 14 through 15, and 19 through 21. Once you're getting there, you may recognize the reference for this, and we don't have time to go in depth into these verses, but we're just going to read over them and apply it to what we've just been talking about. Okay, starting with verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write... These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. Okay, now skipping down to verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. So did you catch in verse 15 it says, He would rather that we were cold instead of lukewarm. I word that thou were cold or hot. He wants us to be one or the other. You know, we, it's so easy to be in the middle and say, You know, I'm a Christian. You know, I do the right things. I go to church on Sabbath and I do this and that. But... Is it just a surface level, or are we really serious about what we know? Are we really serious about what we believe? Do we just say we are Christians but not have the power? Later on in that chapter, it says they have a name that they live but are dead. Is that us? You know, we, we know that we have, we can pray, and we know we can have a good relationship with the Lord, but we don't take advantage of it how we should. You know, it's not just a little thing. This is very important. So, you may be thinking now, okay, I know I need a serious relationship with the Lord, but how am I going to get there? We're going to talk about several different ways that we can develop a serious relationship with the Lord. You know, one of the ways that I have found to be very important is by surrendering all to Him every day. So, you know, that it's not always easy to surrender all, and we may have the impression in our minds that, oh, it's just too hard, you know, I'll have to give up this, and I'll have to give up that, and, you know, I'll never have fun again, and it's just not going to be the same. You know, that really isn't the case. I mean, I've had those thoughts, and, you know, it really, it really isn't true. It's just the devil trying to trick us into thinking that, you know, it's just not going to be as fun if I'm a Christian, but that's, that's not how it is. You know, yes, there is trials, and yes, there are times when you have to resist the devil and you have to surrender to doing something that you may have wanted to do. But it is worth it, you know. There's, it's, you can't be happier unless you are surrendered to Jesus. You won't find that happiness and that joy if you try and be a Christian, but you don't surrender. I mean, you'll constantly be feeling guilty for all that you've done. You're constantly going to be struggling with it. And you'll find that being a Christian is actually not that great. And you'll wonder, you know, so what's the thing about being a Christian? If we aren't surrendered, we won't, we won't be able to have the enjoyment of it. You know, maybe we're worried that we'll have to give up our dreams and not do the things we've always dreamed of doing. I want to read to you a quote that I read recently. 
says, Are you ambitious for education that you may have a name and a position in the world? Have you thoughts that you dare not express that you may one day stand upon the summit of intellectual greatness, that you may sit in deliberative and legislative councils and help to enact laws for the nation? There is nothing wrong in these aspirations. You may, every one of you, make your mark. You should be content with no mean attainments. Aim high and spare no pains to reach the standard. The important question with you now is how to so choose and perfect your studies that you will maintain the solidity and purity of an untarnished Christian character, holding all temporal claims and interests in subjection to the higher claims of the gospel of Christ. So, it's not that we have to give up our dreams. We can have great dreams of things that we want to do in the future, but those dreams need to be surrendered to the Lord. And if those dreams are, and if we know they are his plans for us, then we can be even more sure of those dreams, because if he is there to help us accomplish them, then we don't have to be worried that anything's going to stop us. You know, this morning Father was talking about the astronaut and how he had wanted to be an astronaut and he finally gave up that dream and then God fulfilled it. You know, we may be holding on to something and as soon as we give it up and say, okay, if this isn't your will, I'm not, I'm not going to pursue this, then the Lord may say, okay, that's okay, you can now. So we need to be willing to give our dreams to the Lord and to seek what his dreams are for us, not just what our own dreams are. You know, I remember when I was younger, I would think, you know, I don't want to surrender because it's going to be too hard. And there'd be times when I think, you know, it's just too difficult. But it really isn't. It's just the devil trying to trick us into thinking that. It's really not true. I remember that when I would surrender, I would feel such peace and I would be so happy. And you, there's nothing like really being surrendered. You, you won't experience it unless you choose to surrender. You know, my life has been much more happy and enjoyable and satisfying since I have surrendered to him than it could ever have been before. It says in the Bible that those that honor him, he will honor. And if we are willing to surrender all that we have and all that we are to him, he will honor us more than we could ever imagine. And don't be afraid to give everything to him. You'll not ever regret it in the long run. And you cannot expect to have the real privileges of being a Christian unless you do. It's not possible to have a really serious walk with the Lord and be um, unsurrendered to him. That's just not possible. You know, we must surrender every day. That's another thing. It's easy to surrender and then, you know, say, okay, I'm surrendered now. And then you go off into your day and you make mistakes and you do things that you wish you hadn't done. And you make choices and think, oh, no, why did I do that? But, you know, you think, okay, well, I'm surrendered, so it's okay, you know. But it really isn't because we have to make that decision every day. Otherwise, we'll find that we've slipped up. And we can then, a few months later, think, you know, what happened? I mean, I thought I was surrendered, and now I'm back to where I started. We have to have that experience every day. Otherwise, it doesn't. We can find ourselves slipping back. You know, I've had that experience where I will surrender something and then just think, okay, I'm surrendered now, and then realize that there's other things I hadn't even thought about. You know, in a little while later, we're going to talk a little bit more about a deeper form of surrender. But now we're going to move on to another point. Um, this is very important, I think. And this, is, this point is by spending time with him. You know, we'll find a serious relationship with the Lord comes from spending time with him. It's one of the most important things in our Christian walk. And sometimes we'll find that our Christian walk with the Lord is not strong. And we'll think, you know, what's wrong? What am I missing? 
And I found that many times in my experience, I can be finding that I am not um, being victorious the way I should be, or I'm doing things that you know I, I promised I wouldn't do. And then I'll think, okay, so what's going wrong? And then I can look back on my day and see, ah, oh, I see. I didn't spend any time this morning in time with prayer or with the Lord. And, oh, yesterday morning I sat down for 15 minutes, and that didn't really go that well. And it's so easy to skip it and just, you know, get going into your day and think, you know, I don't really need time with the Lord. I mean, I prayed yesterday. That's good enough, isn't it, you know? But it isn't good enough. And you'll find that, that... You know, we can, it's easy to convince ourselves that it's good enough and we're fine without it, but we really aren't. We may be surfacely fine without it. We may be okay on the surface and nobody would notice, but we're not really fine. So where are we going to fit spending time with the Lord into our day? You know, many of us, I already know, it's like, oh, we're so busy already. Where are we going to fit anything else in to our scheduling, you know? I already have a hard time getting up in the morning and doing all my stuff in the day. You know, where are we going to fit it in? Well, I found that the best time for me is in the morning before my day's actually started. And I've tried doing it, you know, some days I get busy with something and I end up, you know, only having five minutes or 15 minutes in the morning and not really connecting the way I should. And I get later into my day and I think, oh, why did I do that, you know? <laughs> so in the morning, I found to be the very best time. But you may be thinking, yeah, but the mornings, I can't get up in the morning. Well, I have found that the earlier I go to bed, the easier it is to get up in the morning. That may seem very simple, but it consistently works. And we've even just recently, our family started, or Caleb and I started going to bed at 7 o'clock in the evening. That may seem really early to some of you. And that isn't where where our original bedtime was, but... I just felt so much more rested if I got a good early night, then I could get up in the morning and not be, you know, wishing I was still in my bed and falling asleep in the middle of my quiet time and that kind of thing. So I'm not necessarily saying that you need to um, get up at, I mean, go to bed at 7 o'clock in the evening. For some of you, that may be totally unrealistic and unnecessary. But just find out how much sleep you need and so that you can determine when you need to go to bed and then you can work out when you can get up so that you can have that time with the Lord. So, you know, how do we make time for this? You know, we make time for what we want to make time for, don't we? If we want to do something, we can make time for it. But... You know, sometimes we can say, oh, we don't have time to do this and that and the other. But we can. We really do have time. And if we were to look at our day and look at every moment we spent, and I've done this a few times. I've written down exactly how long it takes me to do different things. And I've been really surprised sometimes when I think. So I remember one day I did this several years ago, and I had like two hours and a half spare, and I thought I was really busy. I remember thinking, where did that two and a half hours go? And what did I do for that long? So, you know, we don't need two and a half hours necessarily in time with the Lord in the morning. But I think all of us could find some time if we really want to. So, how long do we spend? Well, I have found that for me, if I spend any less than an hour, I don't really get the blessing out of it that I need. Now, an hour may seem like a really long time to some of you, but, you know, if if you pray for the desire to spend that time with the Lord, you will actually find that an hour is not long enough. And then you'll be wanting to have more and more and more. You know, I remember many times in my quiet time that I would get up and I would get up early enough to have an hour and I would go and sit down 
and I turn on my iPod and I see, oh, I want to see what the weather is. So I go to the weather and see, oh, I see what that is. And then I get distracted, go back to my room to get something. And sometimes half an hour can pass and, you know, I haven't really done anything yet. Or maybe I've even started reading, but I haven't really been thinking about what I was reading. You know, we have to pay attention to what we're reading. We have to not just let it go out one ear and in, the, in one ear and out the other. Because if that is the case, we may as well not spend any time. It's, it's worthless sitting there for an hour and just, you know, uh, reading along and falling asleep every five minutes. And, oh, I've got to wake up, you know, keep going. It, it would probably be better to spend no time than to waste an hour doing that. So I have found that, you know, it's very important that we connect in that morning time. And I forgot to mention earlier when I was talking about getting to bed early and then getting up in the morning, I found that sometimes even when I did do that, I would dread hearing my alarm go off. And I remember just thinking, I can't believe it's time to get up already, even though I had had a good early night. And I found something recently, probably about a month ago. I had the thought, you know, just pray that God will wake you up whenever you need to get woken up. And I remember I had done this in the past, and sometimes I would wake up an hour later than I was planning, and I would think, oh no, now I'm going to be in a complete panic. I don't know how I'm going to get everything done. And so I thought, well, I'll just set my alarm, you know, it's easier that way. I remember having the thought recently that I needed to just pray that God would wake me up when he wanted me to. So I said, okay, I'll try that tomorrow morning. And so I worked out in my mind, I thought, I think 5.30 is when I should be up. So I just prayed if God wanted me up at 5.30 that he would wake me up then. And if he wanted me up at a different time, that he would wake me up then. That I would know that was when I was to get up. And I remember that morning I woke up and my clock on my iPod said 5.29 and 59 seconds. <laughs> so, you know, when you have that kind of experience, do you think that makes you just want to, oh, okay, I'll go back to sleep now? <laughs> no, it doesn't. You want to get up and be ready for your day. So that's a great way to start your morning off. And I, the next day after that happened, I thought, okay, I'm going to do this again. And so I said, I remember praying, okay, I need to get up earlier tomorrow morning. So I think I was going to get up at 4.45. And so I just prayed that I would wake up then like I had the day before. And I remember waking up and my clock said 5.30. And I thought, 45 minutes late. What am I ever going to do? And I remember thinking, why did I do that? Why didn't I just set my alarm? And I actually found I could get everything done in the morning an awful lot quicker and still have the time I needed and not spend, you know, half an hour making my bed and doing my hair and all that. We can get through all those things a lot quicker. So I have just found that not setting an alarm, now I'm not saying this is what all of you have to do, but I found it works really well for me to not set an alarm and then to just get up when the Lord wants me to get up. And then, you know, it, either you wake up a little later than you were planning maybe, but then it gives you the challenge of hurrying to see how quickly you can get done and see how little time you can waste. So, how do we connect in our personal devotions? How do we just not sit there and just read through it and not think about what we're reading? Matthew 15 and verse 8 says, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You know, is that what we want to do as we sit there in our devotions? No, that's not what we want to do. Otherwise, that time is worthless. It's easy to have the time and not connect. So how do we really connect? Well, I found three tips that have been very helpful for me, and I'd like to share those with you. The first one is to pray before I have my quiet time. And, 
you know, there's different ways of praying, too. You can pray and not connect to God really easily. You can just see there and, dear Jesus, please help me in this day. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> and you, it doesn't really do any good. So I found to pray that we need to really pray and think about what we're praying and really pray for what we need. So pray specifically that you will find something in your devotions that will encourage you during the day. And pray specifically that the Lord, he knows what you're going to be doing in that day. And he can help you to read the right thing that will be exactly what you need in that day. We must ask the Holy Spirit to bless us and to help us during our day that we don't just enter into it with a careless attitude and even spend that time and not connect. We don't know what the day holds, but he does, and he will help us to find the right thing in our devotions that can strengthen us. Another thing that I found to be very important is to study something interesting. For me, anyway, if I sit there for an hour and I study something that I'm not interested in, that hour can get really tiring, and I'm not very enthusiastic about spending it the next morning. So we need something practical that really interests us. And I think, you know, there's some, many things we could study. One of them could be the Beast of Daniel, but I don't really think, for me, that would be what I really need in the morning. You know, it's great, and we need to learn about those things, but for me, I found that I need something that's really practical and can, that can really help me during the day. You know, some books that I have read in my devotions are The Desire of Ages, which is a book about the life of Christ and um, his childhood and his ministry and his death. And I've read that, I think, twice at least in my devotions and really found it to be an encouragement. Another book I read was Great Controversy, going from talking about Huss and Jerome and all the reformers and how they stood for the truth even when it was difficult. I found that to be a great encouragement. Other things I've read is Mount of Blessings. I don't know if I've read all of that, but I've read parts of that lots of times. And Messages to Young People. And I've read parts of Youth's Instructor, which is um, articles that are put together, um, Ellen White articles. And another book that I've read, and I would really recommend this for you if you are just starting to have devotions, would be Steps to Christ. And I just read that very recently, while well, not about six months ago, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit later about some of the things that that led me to. And so I would say definitely Steps to Christ. If you are just starting out having devotions, it would be a really big benefit to you. Or even if you aren't, even if you just want to refresh your devotion and to get back into the swing of it, I would recommend that book very much. Another thing we can do is read books of the Bible. You know, I've read Esther many times, the book of Esther, and the book of Ruth, and um, parts of Daniel. And, you know, sometimes we can get tired of reading similar things, just want, you know, just a story of something that happened in the Bible. And we can read those stories, and they are extremely encouraging to us. So, let's just um, review on the few steps to how to really connect. First of all, we need to pray. And to really pray, not just to mutter something thoughtlessly. The next thing would be to study something that really interests us and that really gets our attention. Another thing is to take just a little phrase away with you. Because I don't know how many of you have had this experience, but you can sit down and you can have a really good devotion time. You can pray. You can study something really interesting and find it to be a real blessing. And then you can go into your day and you get halfway through. Maybe your parents ask you, so what did you have in your devotions this morning? Uh, um, 
Uh, well, I can't remember. <laughs> so, you know, what is the point of devotions, really? It's to help us to connect with the Lord through the day and to go through our day with something practical in our mind. And so if we just read something, and that's good if we to read in the morning, connect in the morning. But if that connection goes as soon as the hour's done, okay, I've connected, I'm done now. You know, that's not really, that's not the point of devotions. So I found something that's very helpful for me is to summarize my whole devotions into one little phrase. So just this last Monday morning, I was reading about Moses walking through the Red Sea and how God opened the Red Sea up for the children of Israel. And so I made a little phrase up in my mind following his plan and whatever that would be for the day. And then, you know, if I got to some point in the day and something wasn't going right, I can remember, no, I'm following his plan. I'm not doing my own thing. And that can keep our minds on what we are supposed to be. It can keep our minds on what we learned in the morning so that we don't get halfway through the day and have no clue what we read that morning. It can be a great encouragement to us because that way we can keep what we've learned in our minds. So, we've already started talking about this to a degree, but another way to have a serious relationship with the Lord is to stay connected during the day. You know, we can connect in the morning, like I was just saying, and then go through the day and lose that connection. So how do we stay connected? You know, with all the busyness in our lives, and we have to go and do schoolwork and all these different things, you know, we can totally forget about staying connected to the Lord, and then we can get to the end of the day and think, oh, yeah, yeah, I was supposed to pray and all that kind of stuff, and I kind of got caught up in my own thing. But the Lord's always there, and he's always willing to talk to us, and he's always willing to help us, yet often our minds just get drawn away into what we're doing, and we kind of forget what we're really supposed to be, where we really are supposed to be thinking. So I have found something else that has been a real blessing to me to help me to stay connected, and that is spending some time in the middle of the day with the Lord. You may be thinking, oh, not more time. My day is already busy enough, and now I'm spending an hour in the morning, and I'm supposed to spend more time at noon. But it actually has really been a blessing to me, even if it's just 15 minutes, which is often all it can be in the middle of the day, just to pray and to reconnect and to think about, okay, what is the morning held? I mean, what have I done right? Have I made mistakes in doing this or that? And then we don't get to the end of the day and feel guilty because we've wasted the day. You know, I don't feel real peace unless I spend that time at noon. And I've often had the experience of saying, okay, I'm going to spend my time because I feel guilty if I don't, so I'm just going to read a Bible verse. And I read my Bible verse, I'm done in 30 seconds, and I put my Bible back, and then I go off. You know, because I've had my noontime now, I've read my Bible verse. But that really doesn't um, cut it. That's not really, that really isn't enough. And I'm not suggesting that we spend an hour at noon, as nice as that would be. It's probably not practical. It definitely isn't practical for me. So... For me, I found just to spend 15 minutes and just to pray or some other things I've done is to read a short Bible passage, like maybe one of the Psalms that's not Psalm 118, by the way, <laughs> but other Psalms that are something that we can really learn something from and we can really think about. Another thing I've done is to read a hymn. You know, the words of the hymns are very good and we can read a hymn and think about what that means to us and how that can help us during our day. You know, I haven't always been faithful to spend that time at noon. And I have found that if it's a hard day, 
and things are going wrong, it's easy to take the time at noon because I recognize I need it. But if it's an easy day and everything seems to be going fine, then I can just think, well, everything's fine. I mean, what's the point? I'm, I'm already doing fine as I am. I don't need to go spend 15 minutes. And then I get to the end of the day, and things probably aren't going quite so fine. I'm probably, normally I'm thinking, oh, why didn't I spend that time at noon? I need to do that tomorrow. And then by tomorrow, I get distracted and think, oh, I don't need it today. And then, then you get yourself into a guilt trip of, oh, I know I need to be doing this, and I've missed it for three weeks now. So just be consistent, even if you can only have 10 or 15 minutes. Just to spend 10 or 15 minutes in prayer can be a huge blessing to us and can really help us to stay connected. Okay, so, so far we've talked about the need to be serious. We've talked about the shortness of life and some of those other things. And we've talked about how to be serious, talking about surrender and connecting with the Lord. And we're going to talk now about some of the results of being serious. Now, this is one result I have found from seeking a serious relationship with the Lord, but I'm not trying to implicate that... um, if you haven't taken the step that you are not serious. So baptism has been something that I have found that as I sought to become more serious about the Lord, I had been wanting to be baptized. But don't, just don't think that I'm saying if you're baptized, you're a really serious Christian, and if you're not, that you're not a serious Christian, because that isn't the way it works. There's lots of serious Christians who aren't baptized, and there's lots of baptized Christians that aren't serious. So that's not actually a line of, oh, they're baptized, so they're serious. That isn't how it works. But it can be a result of a serious relationship with the Lord. I remember for a long time I had always been planning on being baptized at some point. But I had never really given it that much thought when I was younger. I I was always planning on it and I always knew that's what I was going to do. But even from when I was very young, I still remember thinking it would be the most terrifying moment to have to put my head under the water. And that would just be so scary and I could never do it. (laughs) I still remember watching other people get baptized and thinking, how do they ever do that? It must be just terrible. But as I got older, you know, and I got used to putting my head under the water, that part didn't faze me so much. And then it was like, oh, I have to have the attention of all these people just on me. I mean... That's going to be really scary. And then to, you know, have to go and tell people I want to be baptized. I remember thinking, oh, that's going to be terrible. How am I ever going to do this? So as you can tell, obviously when I was thinking those thoughts, the time wasn't right for me. But I remember one night I was going to bed, and I don't remember what made me start thinking about it, but I started thinking about baptism. And for the first time, I started having a desire to actually be baptized instead of just knowing it was the right thing to do and I was going to do it someday. And I, you know, I had that, I had thought about it, and that evening I really started thinking about it. But, you know, a couple more years passed, and I didn't really um, go that much further in it, because I knew I wasn't really ready yet. And I remember just this last summer, I remember thinking about baptism and thinking, okay, if, I mean, sometime here soon, this is something I want to do. And I remember praying, Lord, if, just show me when you want me to make this decision. And I prayed that I would know fairly quickly because I didn't want to just let time drag by and not be making a decision. And I didn't feel any change within the next few days. I didn't feel any different. I didn't have any clue when or whether I was really ready or not. I remember thinking, okay, so, I mean, I don't feel like I am ready, so, you know, should I go forward or not? And I just had the thought just to leave it and just to keep working on character things and just to keep doing what I was doing, but I didn't feel the time was ready. Well, a few months after that, um, several things happened. I remember Father saying one evening, he said something about, I wonder when Hannah and Caleb will be baptized. And I just remember 
that hitting me and thinking, yeah, when am I going to be baptized? And it was obviously the right time for me because that evening I just knew that within the next couple of weeks I was going to be, not that I was going to be baptized in the next couple of weeks, but that I was going to decide that this was something that was coming up in the near future. And so I remember that evening I was so enthusiastic about this that I actually prayed that I wouldn't be enthusiastic in the morning because I didn't want to just move ahead with this, because this is a big step. I didn't want to just move ahead with it because I felt enthusiastic right then. I wanted this to be something that was really something that I was sure about. And so the next morning I woke up and I didn't feel particularly enthusiastic and I had forgotten what I prayed the night before. And then I sat down with my devotions, and my prayer came to my mind. And of course, when I thought of that, and I thought how God answered my prayer, it made me enthusiastic again. <laughs> and <laughs> so then for the next couple of weeks, I had just then started to read Steps to Christ. And that's why I said I was going to come back to talking about that. And that book was really encouraging and really helped me to, you know, even though I had already, I think I had already read it several times before, and I was already doing everything in it, the best is the best I could. Obviously, I wasn't perfect in doing everything in it, but I, was, I wasn't like any new light. But it was just good for me to go over that and to get that into my mind again. And that really, in the next that couple of weeks, I finished reading the book. And it was one Sabbath afternoon, I told the parents that I wanted to baptize at some point in the very near future. And this past February on the 5th, I was baptized up at our church, and it was a really wonderful experience, and I was really thankful that I had waited till it was the right time and not gone ahead too early when I didn't understand it, but that I had not left it too long. And, you know, if you, you find that relationship with the Lord is deepening and, you know, you don't know when the time is, just be patient and let Him lead and let Him show you when it is. But don't leave it, you I mean, don't leave it too long. If He's calling you to make that decision, don't put it off. You, if He's calling you to make it, it is the time right now. And I found that being baptized really held me accountable because I had promised that I was going to serve the Lord. And then when the temptation comes, you can't just say, oh, well, yeah, I'll just do my own thing this time. Not that I haven't ever done that since. Not that I've been a perfect saint since I was baptized, because that isn't true. But it does hold you accountable to know that you made that decision. Okay, another result of a serious relationship with the Lord is our desire to share what we are learning. You know, I don't have lots of time to go into this, but the closer we go to Jesus, the more we're going to want to share what he's doing for us. We're not going to be able to just sit there and pretend that, you know nothing's going on. We're going to want to tell everybody about what he's doing for us. You know, sharing him and his love with other people will become the passion of our lives. And we will find that in, in some way that is going to be something that is going to be a very big part of our lives. And I found the older I get and the more I learn about the Lord, the more my desire to share what he is doing grows. And the more joy I find as I do share what he is doing. And just last Sabbath, actually, I think it was two Sabbaths ago, we were going on a walk, and I remember I had wanted to speak to some friends, but I felt the Lord was calling me to speak to a certain girl, and I remember just talking with her and walking with her, and I didn't see any great, you know, it wasn't like all of a sudden she became this new person or anything, but I just knew that I had reached out to her, even though I hadn't seen any results, but I knew that was what the Lord was asking me to do, and there is such joy in doing what you know he's asking you to do, even if you don't see any results at the time. You know, I believe it's important for all of us to have a passion about serving the Lord, and not to let it be one of those things that is just part of our lives that, you know, 
just like schoolwork, yeah, you do that some days and not other days. It needs to be something that is just a part of us. You know, and service for others doesn't just benefit others. It benefits ourselves greatly as well because as we seek to help other people, we will actually find that we're helping ourselves. You know, when we're challenged to share to other people, we will find that we go deeper with our relationship with the Lord because you can't tell somebody that they need to be a Christian whilst you're not being one yourself. That, it doesn't work that way. Okay, we're going to move on to another point. So if we have a serious relationship with the Lord, and maybe some of that has led to baptism, and we are seeking to share that with other people, what are we going to do when we fall and we do something that we promised we wouldn't do? You know, it's likely to happen to us at some point, because none of us are perfect, including myself. I'm not perfect either, just in case you're wondering. (laughs) We need to know how to deal with it when we fall and when we make a mistake and do something that we wished we hadn't done. And the first thing, this is very important, is to ask forgiveness. Not just of the people that we have offended, which may be our family members, or it may be someone else, it may be someone out of our family. But we need to ask forgiveness from the Lord. And to really, don't just, you know, I remember when I was younger, I would put off asking forgiveness for something. And sometimes I could go months without saying sorry for something that I'd done, even if it was just a little thing. But I would feel so bad about that. And ever since the experience of going, not that it was one specific experience, but from just leaving things and not really apologizing for, and then months later having to go back, it's a lot harder to say sorry for something you did three months ago than it is something you did three minutes ago. So I have found, just, I've been finding that it's so important just to apologize as soon as you've done what's wrong. Just be humble and just say, you know, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. Very recently, I think this is just an amazing example, very recently we were in the airports and um, my family, we were all getting to go on this tram before um, going to our gate. And we were all hurrying to get onto the tram and I don't remember what happened exactly, but my shoe came off and they were all now on the tram, at least so I thought. I don't know that they actually were, but it looked like it to me. And I was getting all panicked and flustered about the fact that the tram was going to leave without me, and they were just on the tram. Actually, they weren't on the tram. They looked like they were from where I was, but later I learned that they weren't. But I got onto the tram, and of course there's like 100 people on the tram, so I wasn't going to say, you know, why did you leave without me and all that? But as soon as I got my chance, I wasn't particularly cheerful about it. And I was like, I mean, couldn't you have waited? I mean, I just lost my shoe. I mean, you could have caught the next tram. It wasn't that important. And then we got on the airplane, and I thought, why did I say that? That was ridiculous. And, you know, I thought, you know, but I don't need to apologize for that. That was just a little thing. I mean, that's not necessary. I don't need to apologize for that. So I thought, okay, I'll pull my spelling out, and I'll do my spelling. So I pulled my spelling book out, and I'm reading down my spelling words. (laughs) Would you believe I came to the word apology in my spelling words? So, of course, and my first thought was, oh, no, why is this in here of all days? And I thought, well, no, it's nothing to do with it. I mean, that just happens to be there. That would have been there even if I hadn't done this. And I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. I just need to say sorry for this and just keep going. So I apologized, and I said, you know, I'm sorry. I got grumpy about it. And I just found that it's so much better just to apologize right there and then and not wait till weeks and months and even years later because then it's an awful lot harder to apologize. And often we can forget what we didn't say sorry for and things just keep mounting up and then we find ourselves guilty and, you know, we're not happy and it can all start from a little thing. 
Another thing that I think is very important is to forgive ourselves. You know, maybe it's not something, something we did wrong that didn't actually offend anybody else. It was just something that we had promised we wouldn't do. And it's very easy to say, you know, I promised I wouldn't do that, and I was doing so well, you know, why did I do this? But God has promised to forgive us, and if he's promised to forgive us, then we can't not forgive ourselves, because if he is willing to forgive us, it's ridiculous for us to say, no, I won't forgive myself. It's also very important that we forgive ourselves because we can become very bitter and um, discouraged if we won't let ourselves, uh, if we won't forgive ourselves, because then we can find that um, irritation wells up, you know, why did I do this again? And that is really not a positive thing. It's dangerous because if we become too discouraged, then we can be tempted to give up on our Christian walk. And that's a lot, very often that's much worse than what we actually did wrong in the first place. You know, we need to then analyze, so what did I do wrong that caused this failure? What led up to it? Was I tired? Was I frustrated? Did I miss my devotions that morning? You know, just look back and see what it was that caused that. And then, once you have asked forgiveness and forgiven yourself and analyzed what went wrong, start up again and don't let that failure be in your mind. You know, failures can be stepping stones to success if we let them be. But if we dwell on them and dwell on all the things we did wrong, they can actually lead us further into wrong than the actual sin we did in the first place. So it's very important to treat those failures the right way. Okay, before we move on to our last point, let's review what we've done so far. We've talked about why we need to be serious, because we, we never know what's going to happen. Jesus is going to come, and in our youthhood, this is the best time, and also our influence. And we've talked about um, how to be serious, spending time with the Lord and surrendering everything to him and really connecting with him. We've talked about the results. We've talked about baptism. We've talked about sharing with others. And we've just talked about what to do when we fall. And now I'd like us to talk about the rewards. Okay, we're going to turn back to Revelation 3, 20 through 21. We were there earlier. That's Revelation 3, 20 through 21. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. You know, being serious may be difficult at times, and having a real relationship with the Lord may be hard, but it really is worth it. We won't find that joy and peace in Jesus anywhere else. You know, the fulfillment that comes from knowing that we are right with the Lord and knowing that we are making the choices that we should be and going forward and doing what we know is right is much better than, you know, maybe something that we were holding on to that we wanted to do because it was just something that we wanted to do. You know, we have joy, and we can have peace and comfort in hard times. And we have a friend that's always with us and always there to help us. He will never let us down. He'll never tell us one thing and then do another. He was always there to help us. And we can share our thoughts with him and tell him what's going on in our days and tell him about the things that are happening to us. And he will be there to help us find that fulfillment. And I have found that true fulfillment really only comes from Jesus. You know, there's other things that we can find great enjoyment in, you know, our friends and our family. But true fulfillment really only comes from Jesus. Another thing, another reward of a serious relationship with the Lord is that we will get to spend an eternity with him. We'll get to spend all of heaven. 
and we'll be able to spend time talking with Jesus face to face and asking him the questions that we want to know. You know, we can thank him for all he's done for us. We won't have to say goodbye like here tomorrow we're all going to be leaving camp meeting. There's not going to be any of that in heaven. We're going to be able to speak to our guardian angel and find out all the things that he has protected us from. We can find out, you know, maybe you were driving in your car and a car almost hit you and your guardian angel protected you. We'll be able to find all that kind of stuff out. We're going to get to talk to people like Moses and Daniel and Esther and Ruth and some of those other Bible characters. We're going to be able to find out from them what it was really like to be around back then. You know, we're going to be able to be part of heaven's amazing music. You know, we think the music here at camp meeting is amazing, but it's not even a millionth as good as what heaven's music is going to be like. You know, in summary, being a Christian is the best thing that you will ever find. It's a happier life here, and we have the promise of an eternal life. Matthew 16 and 20, verse 24 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know, it is going to take surrenders. It is going to take um, giving up things that we want to do. But we will find that the price and the rewards of a serious relationship with the Lord is far better than and far more rewarding than having to give up those few things. When we get to heaven, we're not going to look back and say, oh, I had to give up listening to this certain CD. I mean, why did I do that? Why didn't I just listen to that instead of being here? I don't think anybody in heaven is going to say that. You know, the trials here won't be easy, but we have a friend that's always there to help us. So in closing, if you are, if this is all new to you, maybe you've never heard any of this before, and you're thinking, wow, I didn't realize there was all that that I didn't, wasn't doing. Don't be discouraged. Just ask the Lord to help you. Ask him to show you what you need to do first, and he will help you to have that serious relationship with him. Maybe for some of us, we are seeking to have a serious relationship with the Lord, but I believe all of us could be more serious. We need to make that decision to recommit to him and to... Seek to follow him in everything he's calling us to do. And maybe for some of us out there, we're holding out on something. And I would just encourage you, don't hold out. It's not, it's not worth it by any stretch. The last part of John 6, verse 37 says, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. If we come to him and ask him to give us a serious, serious relationship with him, we will find that it is better than we could have imagined. Let's close in prayer now. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this afternoon that we were able to come together. And please be with us the rest of this afternoon. And please bless us as we seek to have a more serious relationship with you. Please draw each of us closer to you and help us to have that serious relationship with you that can give us joy and peace. And please help us to enjoy the rest of the Sabbath day together. In Jesus' name. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.